I'm gonna just look briefly at a few verses tonight that I pray that it'll do for you what it's done for me in recent days and recent weeks. Uh, You know, it's not how you start something. It's how you finish. And sometimes in the Bible, there are portraits and snapshots of people's lives. And when you look at them at one place in Scripture and the way it started out, things looked somewhat dim and dark until you read the entire story. And can I say this to you? I know I've got some friends that have come in here tonight that some of you have been in in just desperate need of a touch from God physically in recent weeks and months. And sometimes you feel like you're down and you're not going to make it. But can I remind you the best is yet to come. God's not finished with you yet. If he was finished with you, you'd be with the Lord right now. But he's left you here for a purpose and for a reason. And I'm going to deal with something that I think, to me, it's one of the sweetest subjects that I could ever, ever preach at the start of this camp meeting. It's something that my dad lived for, my mom lived for, that my dad and mom both loved. And uh, I know a lot of you maybe didn't know my mother very well, but I want to say this because she's worthy of that. I know my sisters are here tonight and they would agree with it. Uh, My mom always was in the shadows. She was always in the background. She was never out front. But uh, when she got blessed, I, I, I really mean this. If, if I was in a crowd of 5,000 people and my mom got blessed in that service, I would know her shout over every other shout in that place. And she just had a way about her that she could encourage dad to carry on. And I think that sometimes all of us in life need some encouragement. And that's really the focus of this because the thing that got mom and dad through their entire life, they never stopped to praise, stopped praising God no matter what they were facing. In Genesis 29, there is an unusual account in scripture. There's two sisters. One's named Rachel and the other is named Leah. Now Leah was the firstborn, but for some reason, Rachel was favored. Some say it was because of her appearance. Some say it was because she was the younger sister. Uh, We know the Bible mentions that Leah was tender-eyed. I'm not about to get into that because we would just have a, a multitude of opinions here tonight on what all of that meant. But you can't deny the fact that she was the one that had been hated and that had been rejected and she lived in the shadows of her sister, Rachel. For whatever reason, she felt like she was never worthy. And to make matters worse, her father didn't help the situation much. Jacob comes along and he decides he's gonna marry Rachel and he agrees to work for seven years. Boy, she must have been something. Seven years just to marry her. But you remember the account. The account was Laban deceived Jacob. And when Jacob awakened in the morning, he hadn't been given Rachel, he had been given Leah. 
So now here she's already feeling as though that she's always walking in the shadows of her, of her younger sister. She should have been the first to get married and she was the first to get married, but her father had to deceive a man to marry her. Wouldn't that be something that your daddy had to trick somebody to get you a spouse? You can imagine how she felt. She felt as though she was unloved and unwanted. And the Bible says uh, very plainly when you get into the word of God that verse 30 that, that Jacob loved Rachel more than he did Leah. So that makes matters worse. He agrees to another seven years of service just to be able to finally get Rachel. But through all of this, Leah is hurting. I spend my life working with hurting people. And there's a lot of hurt in this world today. Some of it, it's nobody's fault. People are just in certain circumstances and situations that they have no control over, but yet they're still hurting and it's painful. And God looks down and he knows that she's hated and he knows that she's hurting. But by the time you get down to verse 31 of this chapter, an amazing thing happens. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb and Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son and she called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated and he hath therefore given me this son and she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. You know, in the Bible, when they named their children, they didn't just give them a name because it was a popular name or they turned a, a book of baby names and picked out a name. Every name had a meaning. So by the time Leah comes along and starts bearing children, finally, the Lord says, I'm going to help you and try to help you get out of this, this feeling that you have, this feeling of inferiority, this feeling as though you're hated by everyone, this feeling that you're trapped and it's not gonna get any better. So I'm going to bless you. And he blessed her to start having children and Rachel was barren. So now the tables are turned. She starts having children but through all of this, she thinks if I have children, surely, surely Jacob will love me. She just wanted her husband to love her. That's all she wanted. So she names the first one Reuben. The word Reuben, if you see the word Ben, B-E-N, anytime in your Bible, the word Ben always means son. Ru means 
sight or seeing. So what she's really saying, it's on two levels. First of all, God has seen me and blessed me. By the way, God sees you and he hasn't forgotten you. And the Lord can bless you no matter what you're going through. That's the first level, but the second level is, not only has God seen me and blessed me, but now I've given Jacob a son. Maybe my husband will see me and love me. But things didn't change. She has the second son, Simeon. The name Simeon means hearing. She said, now I've given Jacob two sons. Surely by now, Jacob will hear me. The Lord has heard me and the Lord has blessed me. Now surely my husband will hear me and give me the attention that I need and that I crave. But there was no response. She has the third son, Levi. The word Levi means joined or fit together. On this particular occasion, she names him Levi to say I am joined but no longer do you hear any mention of God. The first two boys are born and she recognizes God. The third one comes, she doesn't say anything about the Lord. She just says, I don't care what it takes. I want my husband to be joined together with me. Do you know how many people live in the same household, but their household is divided? And they just wanted to be joined together. She said, I just want to come together as one. But by the time you get to the final child, the fourth child, you don't read anything about Jacob any longer. You don't read anything about the pain she has because Jacob doesn't pay her attention. You don't read that she wants Jacob to hear her. You don't read that she wants Jacob to see her. When that final child come, she looked at that child and suddenly all she talks about is the Lord. And when she talks about the Lord, she said, I'm going to praise the name of the Lord and I'm going to call him Judah. The name Judah simply means praise. Maybe I better back up over that. Some of you are waiting on someone to give you approval and someone to acknowledge you. And you're waiting on someone to show you how important that you are or to make you feel special about yourself. Or you're waiting on something special to happen. You're waiting on the healing to come. You're waiting on the job to come. You're waiting on the children to be saved. You're waiting on friendship to be reunited. But the truth of the matter is, if it is really praise, then that will be there regardless of what's going on around you. She is saying, whether Jacob ever speaks my name or not, I'm gonna praise the Lord. She's saying, whether anybody likes me or not, I'm gonna praise the Lord. If the whole world hates me, I'm gonna praise the Lord. I feel preaching coming on. You need to look beyond how you feel and worry about 
the things that you have no control of and you need to say, no matter what's going on in this world, God loves me and he is worthy of all the praise that I could ever offer him. In other words, three times, nothing happened. But the fourth time, praise was born. Now Judah, being praised, tells us through the scripture that now we have a pattern, a pattern in the life of Judah. Judah means praise. So anytime you read your Bible and see the name Judah, immediately you'll know praise is associated with that in some way. When Judah shows up, praise shows up. Now, I don't want to hurt the crowd tomorrow night, but I'm going to preach tonight. When you read of Judah, you need to know a few things. Judah is what? Thank all 10 of you. Judah is what? Praise. Back in the back. Judah is what? Praise. Praise. Do you know which tribe of the 12 tribes was the largest? Judah. In other words, God said out of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, I want praise to be the largest. I don't care what you do in your church. I'm not gonna pick on you or scold you for anything you do in your church or the way you do certain things, but I will say this. Praise ought to be the biggest thing in our church. We ought to make much of God and much of his word. And when we come together, we ought to come together with a mind that we are going to praise the Lord because you cannot have growth without praise. Do you know a Christian cannot grow without praise? I got a call. They're probably joining us tonight by live stream. I got a call in the office today. And about an hour and a half away was a precious couple that, that I, we, we've been friends by mail, email, calls, letters for a long time. They love the ministry. They pray for the ministry. He's very sick. He was at home with hospice. His wife called and said, if you ever get a chance, and I know you're busy, and of course, there's no way I can get everywhere all the time, but she said, if you ever get a chance, I wish you'd just come and pray for him. He loves you. Well, glory to God, somebody loves me. I hung the phone up, I said, told the staff, I'm leaving. I drove the hour and a half. I got out to where he was, had brain, had brain surgery. He has a mass on his lung. They've got hospice coming in. And as soon as she came to the door and she realized that I was at the door, she started to weep. And then she started to praise Jesus. She said, you know, preacher, I have never called a preacher in all my life to come, but I felt so compelled to call you today. I went in and finally got him awakened. And he can hardly see, he's nearly blind now, maybe the distance from my hand to my face 
He can make out just little images. And I'm standing at the foot of his bed and he opens his eyes and, and she says, do you know who that is? And I said, it's good to see you, my friend. And he said, Calvin Ray Evans. I don't know why God has blessed me so much, but I sat there and I watched that man's body eat up with disease, constant pain, but out of nowhere, I heard it start with glory to God. Glory to God. Tears started flowing. He starts waving his hands back and forth. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. Today's a good day. Here we are. We're not lying in a bed. We're in a great church tonight, a beautiful facility. God saved our soul. He's changed our life. If there's ever a group of people that ought to have a heart full of praise, it should be us. No Christian can grow without praising God. Now you don't have to be loud, but you have to be genuine. It's not the noise you make, it's the nearness of God that makes the difference. And I'll say this, no church can grow without praise. I don't care what anybody tells you, there is a group of people in this nation now that is hungry to be in the presence of God with people that are praising the Lord. I know there's several from our church here tonight. I mentioned it last night and I hope hope you don't think less of me for saying it, I'm going to repeat it. But uh, I came into our church a few weeks ago and, and I got in the flesh a little bit because when I came into the church, they had delivered something to the church and set it inside the back foyer there. And it was just inside the church doors and several boxes were stacked there. I didn't get distraught because there were boxes there. I didn't get distraught because somebody delivered something. No, that's not what bothered me. I'm standing at this point, I'd come through the sanctuary, back to the foyer. I'm standing in the doors of the sanctuary and I'm looking at those boxes And so help me, Mike, on those boxes, big bold letters, it said, store in a dry place. And I thought to myself, get those out of here. I don't know about you, but I don't want my church to be a dead place, a dry place, a dull place. This is no place to be dry. This is a place to let our hearts overflow with praise for all that God has done. Judah, when they were on the move, Judah, when they would go from place to place with the tabernacle, the first thing they would do is set up the the tabernacle, the place of worship, the place of sacrifice. And you know, Judah had a special position. They were right outside the front door. They were facing the tabernacle. In other words, when you came into the tabernacle, you could not go into the tabernacle, and you remember what happened there. The high priest would offer up the blood as a sacrifice, and when the blood was offered up, then God would accept the blood when it was applied to the mercy seat, and the glory of God would come down and fill the tabernacle. 
The presence of God was in that place. The glory of God was there. You could not get into the presence of God without going through and by praise. And I'm here to tell you, it's impossible to get in the glory without praising God. You'll never get into his presence without praising what everybody else, all the other tribes, they stared at the wall. Judah, they got to look at the door. They got to introduce people and invite them into the presence of God. I'm telling you, the world is looking for something that is real. And we know Jesus is real. And we praise him now and we'll praise him then. He is always worthy of our praise. Judah was important to King David for he was of the tribe of Judah. Judah's what? Praise. No king is considered any greater in Israel's history than King David. The Jews look at him as the greatest of kings. He was anointed. He was victorious. But also there was never a king that messed up anymore. And King David. But do you know what David learned? If he could just get to the place where he could look to the Lord and when he could find forgiveness, he had an ability that the other kings didn't seem to have. And that ability was to praise God. And there was something about that that he was marked down as the great king because he was associated with praise, with anointing, with victory. Do you know what gives us the anointing that we need? Praise gives us the anointing that we need. Do you know what gives us the victory? It is our praise. And then you can't think about Judah without thinking about Jesus. He is of the tribe of Judah because he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the roar of the praise. There is no praise without him. So we've got David tied to praise. We've got Jesus tied to praise. We've got the place of worship tied to praise. We've got churches tied to praise. We've got Christians tied to praise. But every now and then, I'll run across somebody that is just brazen enough to tell me, I don't have to praise the Lord. Now here's where we'll probably part ways. He didn't say praise is a suggestion. He didn't say do it when you feel like it. He didn't say do it when it sounds good. He didn't say wait on something to motivate you to do it or wait on something to happen to do it. He said let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. You say I'm not gonna praise God. Well, the only group that has permission not to praise the Lord. There is one group God gives permission in his word, the dead. The Bible says the dead praise not the Lord. Which are you? 
dead or alive. If you're alive, you can't do any less than say thank you, Jesus, for what you have done because we're not worthy of it. He is worthy of all things. And we come together on these two nights. I am so thankful for the sweet spirit of God that's moving in this place tonight and the praise that is here. You know why? It'll make your day different tomorrow by coming and praising God tonight. I don't think there's a trouble that we have that praise can't look overcome. I don't think there's a problem that we face, but it'll go in the rear view mirror of life if we praise the Lord. There's something about saying, oh God, you have been so good to me. Oh God, you have blessed me beyond measure. Oh God, you saved my soul and brought me out of a pit. Oh God, you healed my body and you raise me up. Oh God, you've given us of your spirit and your word. Oh, let everything that had breath praise the Lord. Glory. Go ahead and shout it out. You could have been dead. That's right. COVID tried to shut this thing down for four years, but guess what, devil? We're back. And we have come to praise God. Glory to God. (laughs) It is Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Don't wait on something to happen. Praise him as though it's already happened. You're not gonna be in your body forever. Praise him as though you already got your new body. Praise him as though he is truly king of kings and lord of lords. Thank God he is worthy of our praise. The birth of praise. Get ready to sing. I'll close with this. We got some folks from Jackson, Ohio with us tonight. They, back in the summertime, they contacted me, a pastor, wanted me to come to their church. They had a group coming in. And I said, I'd love to come. They called back a week later and said, uh, we've got a little problem. So there's so many people calling uh, to want to be a part of the service. We need to expand it. So they moved it to the to the football stadium. The day of the meeting, it rained all day long. I mean rained. When I got to the stadium, Candy and I, we got there about a half hour early, and a young man 
that he had, he's studying to be an attorney and he had really picked up a desire for that meeting. His heart was in the meeting. He worked it. I mean, in a matter of days, they had 56 churches, I believe, involved in the meeting. And he come up to the car. I rolled the window down. The rain had just stopped. It's about 30 minutes till church time. He said, we may be a few minutes late starting. Preacher said, it's been so wet. They're setting up all the equipment now. We'll get, we'll get started as quick as we can. I said, that's fine. He said, everyone keeps saying, it'll hurt the crowd. All this rain will hurt the crowd. When you going to learn? I love crowds, but it's not who shows up if he don't show up. And when he shows up, he shows off. And he said, they keep telling me that as though they're trying to discourage me. And they said, look at the rain. And he said, I tell every one of them the same thing. You know, you can't have a rainbow if you don't have a storm. I preached. Brother Martin, I preached maybe 20, 25 minutes at the most. And I get ready to give the invitation. And when I start to give the invitation, a lady way up at the very top of the stadium stands up and points out. And she starts shouting and praising and crying. I can't tell because I'm facing the crowd. Over the stadium where we're having the service, a rainbow touches down. The invitation was sweet. They started running to the front. 17 were saved. The rainbow stayed until the invitation ceased. When the rainbow left, the invitation stopped. We're getting ready to leave. The rainbow's now disappeared. And they come to me, the pastors, and said, we'd like to do it again next year. I said, well, I'll pray about it and see if I can get something worked out because I would love to come back. And they said, well, I looked there and there was a rainbow back. I said, I'll be back next year. <laughs> but can I tell you, it was sweet to experience but God don't have to send you a rainbow for you to praise him. He's still God.